Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Jacob Marley is dead. This must be distinctly understood, or nothing wonderful can come of the podcast you are about to listen to. Come sailing in on Christmas Day, on Christmas Day. I saw three ships come sailing in on Christmas Day in the morning. So how's your week been, buddy? My week has been... My week's been good. I wrapped up school last week on Friday. Um, and... Then, like, almost immediately, like, the, a day or two later, had, like, a, a big hit of, like, post-school year depression, which makes no sense this year. I feel like I should be ecstatic for this year to be over, but, like, weirdly, it's hitting me harder than it ever has before. Here's the deal. Uh, I get it. I totally yeah. get it. Like, I get this whole season has been screwed with everybody. I think everyone's been going up and down all around the way. So I don't think anything is to be unexpected. You know, I yeah. have moments when I feel like getting to the end of this year and I'm honestly kind of shocked how well we've done. Like, I got to be honest, I was not, I was not looking at the glass. I won't say I was looking at half full or empty. I was looking at a glass with a certain amount of liquid in it and I knew what that amount was. Yeah. But I didn't I didn't have any emotion but like I just like I, I know the circumstances, you know, and I know what I know what this is getting into it. Just like this version of a Christmas carol, John. I knew Ooh. exactly what it was getting into it. Yeah. Yeah. This is a this is one I, I found I could recite as yeah. we were going through it. Uh oh yeah. Welcome to Jacob Marley is Dead. Uh this is a podcast where we uh survive twenty twenty one. Mostly by watching uh, A Christmas Carol. Um, Specifically, this week, uh, we are watching 1983's Mickey's Christmas Carol. Disney animated classic. We're we're bowing down at the the altar of the mouse for this one. All all praise the mouse. All praise the mouse. We are all just fools for thinking that that's something we shouldn't be doing. It's it's absurd. (laughs) Uh, I'm your host, John. And I'm a sidekick, Jimmy, and it is good to be back here, John. We, I'm not going to sugarcoat it. We've been on a good run so far of uh, the past two episodes. I am very happy with the current lineup of things. Nothing's going to screw this ride up. The next one's going to be great. I'm nothing but good vibes going. Um, but that's neither here nor there in the future, John. I love this, and I am ready to talk about it. Yeah, yeah. Likewise. Let's uh, so. To, let's give some context for 
whatever human being living under a rock has never seen this version of a Christmas Carol. Yeah. Uh, this is, um, so it's an animated short. It's about what? 27 minutes long, something like that. I didn't write down the exact time, but round about that. Yeah. I thought it was longer. I, I tried to watch this twice one time after a very long day of work. And I actually fell asleep like a few moments in, which is shocking. Cause how funny this is. Yeah. But, uh, but I thought it was like 40 minutes, but no, it's about brisk, like 24, 26 yeah. minutes. Uh, yeah. It's, it's definitely rivaling, uh, the, the Richard Williams one for getting the story done, getting well, in there, getting finished. It is based on actually a 1974 Disneyland records audio musical. I, you know what? I, I am now remembering that somewhere I've heard that before. That's cool. And that makes a lot of sense because this is a very, non disney renaissance piece of like an artifact here like this is like pre-renaissance all yeah. the characters in this and just for the to set the premise this is a christmas carol being told with disney characters but yeah. these are mm-hmm. 1970 disney characters they don't even have like some of they don't have the rescuers yet they don't have this the was actually Mouse- this was released with the rescuers. This short played before the rescuers when it came out in theaters. Really? Mm-hmm. The re- so there you go. And like, the, yeah. so they have the rescuers great mouse detective was 86. So that's not even here yet. And that's the beginning of the dizzy Renaissance. So the characters we have pop up in here are mostly characters that Walt had a part in, you know, and p- things that really have a tie to Walt. And I really get that vibe from this. And I'm really, yeah. and it just, it's throughout the whole thing. This is very Walt Disney, and it makes sense now that you say that's about the record, because when we get into it, some of this uh, music definitely sounds a little bit older than 1983. Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely at least 1974. So um, this is the first theatrically, the, oh my gosh, I can't say this. This is the first theatrical. <laughs> you get there, you're getting there. The first theatrically released. Mickey Mouse short since 1953. So it had been a while since Mickey was in a short in a movie theater specifically. Wow. And then it would be until the the Prince of the Pulper a few years after that again. Probably. But, probably. Yeah, I, I love I love the history of the the Mickey shorts. I, I always feel like Mickey gets like maybe not nowadays, but like everyone loves Disney and they like Mickey, but like Mickey never gets the shine. And M- Spoilers, Mickey gets to shine in this right here. So I'm happy this got a theatrical release. Some other fun facts. This is Alan Young's first animated appearance as Scrooge McDuck. His first animated appearance. Now, he he did voice the character in the audio musical before that. But he had never appeared like in animation as the character until this short. And then obviously he would go on to play that character until his death in 2016. So the whole run of, you know, uh, DuckTales, which is probably like the the zenith of that character. Yeah, he got the last thing he got to voice uh, was actually the remake of the uh, video game when they remastered it with like actual like more cartoon looking graphics and stuff like that. And they added voice actors and he got to come in and voice Scrooge one last time. So oh, wow. a very nice little book ending career here to a yeah. role that he made iconic. Yeah. Yeah, truly. Um, this is also Clarence Nash's last uh, shot at voicing Donald duck, which makes him the only like original Disney cast member in this film. He's the only original voice actor 
that made it into this short. That's, I mean, and what a good send off too. Not to bury the lead yeah. there again. Like it's, this is really like it's a great like love letter to Disney, and I just I every time I I watch I haven't watched it in years, but. I, the times I've watched it before or read the book, I actually used to have like a children's book version of this. Like it had like, oh, yeah. like the little pictures and stuff like that. Yeah, like yeah. the one you would buy, like an Acme or something like that. Um, I just, I, the images are iconic and, and the best version of the characters are here to do. They're not playing themselves, but they're playing themselves if they were these characters. And it's great every time. Yeah, definitely. Um, it was nominated for Best Animated Short in uh, 1984, but it lost to something called Sunday in New York, which had a much less substantial Wikipedia page. So I assume it didn't have much lasting power. Um, and it yeah. has a 100 percent critic score on Rotten Tomatoes out of seven reviews, 100 percent positive, 90 percent audience score. So this is this is across the board, a pretty beloved piece of media. Man, this holds up also really well. Yeah. Yeah. So why don't we talk about it this is jacob marley is dead and we are talking about 1983's mickey's christmas carol was in those ships all three on christmas day on christmas day and what was in those ships all three on christmas day in the morning So we get the uh, the Buena Vista splash at the beginning of this, which is always fun. It's like, ooh, this is old Disney. I thought I was watching a VHS tape. I was so happy. I was like, yeah, <laughs> let's go. So uh, interesting that that was like a thing that they did at that point. And I mean, this is this is eighty three, eighty four, right? Like this is. Yeah. Disney is not in a good place right now. Well, it's just interesting to see because I feel like now, like nowadays, I feel like Disney executives probably have to be like held back from just slapping the Disney logo at the front of every like Marvel and Star Wars and I guess Fox and whatever other things they own just well, to be like, it's all part of our brand. Well, it, it's a couple of different things. They don't put their logo on any on everything because one they produce stuff that they don't want to be known is tied to the mouse right sure they yeah. miramax for god's sakes was one of those and they uh uh hollywood pictures i believe was another one where they've had yeah. these like little like side studios to do their adult co- content because they they want more money and that's how they're going to get it um yeah. yeah the other thing is i feel like on some level it's branding of course which ties the first one but it's, you know, it's one thing to own everything. It's another thing to let everybody know you own everything. Like, right. This is like a plausible that, you deniability. Want, you don't want that watermark just in the corner of every freaking thing you put there. <laughs> like, like the mouse is just on everything like an yeah. NBC logo. There's no like, hidden Mickey on Captain America's shield. Oh, gosh. I'm, as far as we know, <laughs> it's probably say, in there somewhere. You say that, but it's it's not on the front because, of course, it wouldn't be on the front. But, like, you turn the inside over in yeah. those, like, little metal, like, rivets. I'm sure. I wouldn't be shocked. Oh, my gosh. There's a Mickey on his shield probably. Oh, well, God. speaking of Mickey, the next thing we see is that, like, classic kind of mickey face beaming vacantly at you card from the screen with his big top hat (laughs) it's impressive and terrifying at the same time but i will say pure joy 
Oh like, yeah, it's good like stuff. Genuine, like not like not branded. Like you can tell. Like I mean, maybe it is. Like maybe maybe I'm just being nostalgic for what I grew up with. Of course, I am. sure, but sure. yeah, but it feels more genuine than what you normally get now. Like this, yeah, like, it's like it's oh, Mickey you're Mouse. you're in for a Mickey Mouse. It's a it's going to be a Mickey Mouse thing. And I, and I want to point that out. It's not Disney's A Christmas Carol. It's yeah. Mickey's Christmas Carol. Yeah, which is two things. The brand was not doing well this time. It was not, it was barely surviving. And the only reason it survived was the Great Mouse Detective. The Great Mouse Detective saved Disney. Which is so crazy because I feel like that's now like a forgotten kind of gem of the Disney vault. Like, I love the Great Mouse Detective, but... The the, the Minnesota First and the Great Mouse Detective. The great unsung heroes of history, okay? (laughs) If it wasn't for the Minnesota First, sacrificing 80% of their people at Gettysburg... We wouldn't be talking here, okay? Yeah. Well, yeah. We would have a very different outlook on the world. So I think for me, so it wasn't the Mickey splash screen that really did it for me, but literally the the next thing we see is like the music cues in and we get these like really old timey kind of parchment print looking um, credit cards, mm-hmm. credit cards, credit, you know, sequence cards. And uh, this song starts playing and my eyes rolled back in my head like I was Jesse on Breaking Bad because this was like mainlining nostalgia directly into the pre- pleasure sensor of my brain. Like I watched this version so many times when I was a kid. This is definitely my first version of A Christmas Carol. Yeah. And this opening song that plays which i can't play because disney will come down on me with the wrath of thor but it's so good i'll link it on our twitter because that's just tiptoeing enough john uh, just be careful be careful man don't mess them don't don't musk with the mouse all right like don't musk with the mouse there i i mean but you're right it's a great song but i gotta be honest i was like a little taken aback because i haven't heard in so long where i've gone longer gaps without watching this i it sounded like something from another time, which yeah, I was like, were totally. they going for a, for a different feel? But now I'm assuming that this was the same on the record, right? That this song was it, also on it the It must record. be, because it's the only song that's really on. Yeah. Like, it's the only song that's in this, right? So there's no singing, like, there's no musical numbers in this, but this song has to have been on the album. Um, so these these kind of parchment print illustrations, which are really good, cause, and oh. they're kind of previewing things that are going to happen later on in the special, which is nice. Um, they kind of give way to um, this, you know pan in shot of the streets of london and we see like a collection of mickey adjacent and also just general animal characters like the big bad wolf and the three little pigs are are like doing the the uh salvation army ringing for money on the corner for christmas mm-hmm. which i thought was a pretty funny little detail before the other villains of the renaissance showed up the big bad wolf was a main event player okay yeah. like, kids yeah. don't believe it but you go back and watch the sing along tape, right? And they get to the haunted mansion. They got, they got Melissa. Fent, they got, um, uh, gosh, Hook, Captain Hook, and their third best villain is the big is bad the wolf. Big bad wolf. <laughs> they were hurting for high quality villains yeah. back then. So this is back in his heyday. This is like the last gasp of the big bad wolf before he would. Lose all his street cred. Yeah, and we're we're gonna talk about some of like the the quote unquote casting because they kind of position various like mostly the the like Mickey Mouse and friends cast of characters but every now and then they sort of fill in a gap with a character from not necessarily a Mickey Mouse thing but like uh, an anthropomorphic animal thing and uh, 
and it's one very not much animal thing, but we'll get to it. Yeah, yeah. So, um, so we see uh, Scrooge, who is obviously Scrooge McDuck, probably like the best casting choice in the whole movie. Oh. If we're being honest, like who else would you put in this role? Right. I mean, I mean, it like, couldn't be Pete. That wouldn't make sense. No, but they we'll get to Pete. But they yeah. do. They they you don't do this unless you have Scrooge McDuck. Scrooge yeah. McDuck is yeah. the reason you do this because you could do if if Scrooge McDuck didn't exist, maybe you could do this with Donald, maybe. But yeah. you're not doing this with Goofy, right? You're not doing this. You're not making Mickey Scrooge. Heck no, he's right, precast. Exactly. He's precast yeah. pretty easily in this. Yeah. So you only can do this because of Scrooge McDuck, who is. We've talked about Ducktales a little bit here, friends, and I know we talk about Scrooge. Scrooge McDuck is a character with a huge history and there's so we can't even really scratch the surface but over like 80 years not it's it's getting up there it's getting up there like a a very long history of this character and um this might be I don't know if this is the peak but it's close it's yeah it's it's pretty good I mean it definitely launches him into I mean, I, Ducktales is probably the peak. But... This was kicking in the door for the for the mainstream. Like it was yeah. a comp. Like Scrooge McDuck had been in the comics for years and had had a great following, not only all across the world. Very popular character, but this is like kicking the door. Everybody here's yeah. Scrooge McDuck. This, here's why this you love wealthy him. Scottish duck is here, uh, and he kind of he like snubs a uh, a beggar in the street, and then he's gonna hit that beggar. If that beggar don't get back, like he's like yeah, yeah, he's, he's got it. He's got his cane working throughout this. His um, cane is his beating stick. <laughs> yeah, beating stick's always there. Um, so Marley's name is crossed out in this version, right? This right. Scrooge McDuck isn't playing around, but he's also like a little bit fond of Marley. You can tell he kind of the way he talks about him. He's fond of Marley, but we we first see the sign because it's covered in snow. Yeah, and he knocks the snow off. Which he does this a couple of times too, which is a funny detail because the snow is only covering his name, right. and he's like, "Ah, get off!" <laughs> because he does want to be seen. Because this Scrooge McDuck, this—he's a performer. Yeah, he's a performer. He has—he's vain, you know. Yeah. Like he—and that's—it's it's actually a little bit more subtle than of the other stuff going on with Scrooge. But he's about his appearance and his name recognition, and that's what it is. Marley is dead, dead yeah. as a doornail. Yeah, but. He's knocking that snow off because he's alive and notice yeah. me, witness me. So this is this is the first place where so we talked about this on the um the Nicolas Cage version where they tried to make that movie work for kids by not changing much about the plot or the dialogue or the characterization, but by just adding a couple of dumb cartoon mice to sort of run around and goof off and distract you while you were watching it. Mm. And I remember at the time saying this is not a very good way to make this story accessible to kids to just try to like distract them from the incredibly boring stuff that's going on. So what this version opts to do instead is kind of simplify things. Like they simplify characterization. They simplify the stakes. They kind of boil it down to its essential elements and then deliver it in a way that's entertaining because it's a bunch of charismatic Disney characters, right? Doing, you know, and great animation that's really expressive and all that kind of stuff. So Scrooge here kind of just, 
reflects on the fact that Marley's been dead seven years and then kind of chuckles to himself about how he used to rob widows and swindle the poor. And then he makes a joke about how Marley left him like enough money in his will to buy a tombstone. And then he had him buried at sea. So he's like a, he's a real scumbag. <laughs> he's, a, he's a lovable scumbag, but like kind you're of, saying, yeah. this is how you do this type of story for kids, right? Like, a Christmas Carol is a part of our mythology. Who knows if a thousand years from now it'll be as re- well remembered? I think it will. I think it will st- stand the test of time. But you don't start off with a, this story in the text as the text, right? You let children slowly absorb the mythology over time. And then as they get older, they can reflect back on the original or other adaptations and get new things out of the myth and new things out of the legend. And that's, that's how our, that's just a part of our world and how we should be adding these stories into people's, you know, consciousness. So we come into the counting house and obviously Mickey is, is Bob Cratchit, right? That's a really, really easy choice as well. Has there ever been a character that fits Bob Cratchit more like a glove. Like it's just it's yeah. perfect. It's yeah, that white four fingered evening glove that Mickey Mouse. We're gonna wears. get to that because that is one of the best subtle solutions to a joke I have ever, problem I've ever seen, and I can't wait to talk about it. But we'll get there. Um, Mickey is great here as Bob Cratchit. I yeah. think yeah, it, he's really it, charming. He's charming. He's a great everyman because that's basically what Mickey Mouse is. He's everybody and just trying to get by and have a good life and doesn't take himself too seriously, but just enough, you know, not a pushover yeah. Yeah. and a hero. And yeah. Mickey's yeah. great in this part. Yeah. Um, a little, a little on the uh, like flawless side, which I think is pro- is a little bit of Disney branding, but also again, that simplicity, like you don't need your hero characters to have like imperfections at, at at a movie made for kids of this age we got 26 minutes at most john yeah. to get across everything from the novella in a for in a, in a version that kids can enjoy yeah we gotta make we this is what you gotta do here you know yeah yeah and i think everything they do is very sincere like they oh. they manage to truncate and and simplify this without really losing what it is at its heart which i think is a pretty amazing hat trick they pull off um he yeah, is no. trying to melt his ink with the one coal that's left in the coal scuttle because <laughs> his ink is completely frozen that poor mouse yeah that poor poor mouse um and he and he and scrooge when scrooge comes in kind of like quibble about uh taking christmas day off and this scrooge is ruthless he's gonna dock him his pay he's not gonna pay him a full day's pay to take christmas day off yeah and and i've seen this done in later adaptations other versions have done not a full day off they've done just the half day off i don't know if it started here but i'm saying it started here and i think it's i think it's also a thing done by certain writers to get scrooge there on christmas day yeah sure I think that's why it's ca- caught on, but this is the first yeah. place I've seen it. Yeah, um, I, there's a so there's a funny detail here where where they Scrooge like doesn't remember how much he pays Cratchit, and and Mickey's like, oh, it's like two two 
you know, two, uh, two bob a day and a halfpenny, sir. He's like, oh, right. I gave you that raise when you started doing my laundry. So first of all, that's not a raise. Like if you yeah. give someone extra job responsibilities and then pay them extra for that thing that's outside of their job responsibilities, that's not a raise. You're just paying them to do another job. Right. Yeah, yeah. You you think that, but John, uh, you've uh, you've uh, worked for a living, right? Yeah, I guess that's fair. <laughs> <laughs> that is true. Um, You're a teacher, right, John? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, so uh, this Scrooge is just greedy. He just loves money, and and that's all you really need. Like that's the that's the baseline of Scrooge as a character. You've said it already, John. Simplicity, simplicity, simplicity. We've got yeah. to get down to the root of these characters. So a that we can fit it in the time, and that kids can get it. It's we'll yeah. keep repeating yeah. it, but that's why these these decisions were kind of made that way. And it's interesting because we've talked about other Scrooges, and I would say I can't think of a single other Scrooge that we've talked about who loves money. I think we've seen Scrooges that dislike people and therefore money becomes like a, a purpose or a substitute for what they're not getting from their relationships with other humans. This is the first one where he's like, no, I just really like money, which yeah. is some of it is just Scrooge McDuck bringing his energy into the character. I was just right? about to say, this is who Scrooge McDuck is. The, yeah. the the character that literally goes mad when he gets obsessed with too much gold, gold crazy or something like that. Like yeah. in yeah. the show, if he's too obsessed with gold, he'll just start making, he goes like friggin' Thor and Oakenshield in the third Hobbit movie. Like it's all nuts about the gold. Right. And, <laughs> but don't worry. Unlike the third Hobbit movie, Scrooge McDuck actually is a redeemable character at that, uh, you know, oh, like, yeah, I don't like the Hobbit movies. Yeah, Hot no. take. <laughs> no, our Fred is, is kind of like a logical choice, right? Cause it's Donald Clarence Nash and his final Donald Duck performance short and sweet. I mean, he kind of rolls in and he's just like, Hey, come to Christmas dinner. And with completely, this is the nicest Donald we've we've met. Like Donald yeah, is kind yeah. of like the stirrer sometimes, like mixing it yeah. up and like yeah. causing problems. Nope, this is again not a bad exit for the original for you know for Donald Duck. Like yeah. not a bad yeah. way to go out. Like we're pretty scant on Fred in this too as a character. I mean, it's this scene and one other scene. We don't get the party at all no. or his wife. Like none of that stuff ends up happening. But because it's Donald, I think the kids will remember it more. You know, yeah. like yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I yeah. remembered Donald was Fred. Like I, like you remember, and you remember what happens later on. Like these two scenes, sure, carry and are memorable. well. And the thing, the thing about Fred's party is like Fred's party is Fred's party in the original text kind of serves to show like what Fred's motivations are and like what's going on with Fred in a space where he's not interacting with Scrooge, mm -hmm. and to have like him kind of make fun of Scrooge. In a, in a loving right. but still kind of cruel way and Scrooge has to see like what his relatives think of him behind his back and I don't know that that's 100% necessary here because he's no. just mean he's really mean to Donald in this scene what right or mean to Fred what we need here is we need Donald to show in one scene that he really does care about his uncle and yeah. we need and that I'm I'm going all out for the holidays and I'm putting all this work into it and I want you to share with me. I want you to be there with me because you're family. We don't get along. And I'm going to shout Merry Christmas to you in the most screechiest of Donald Duck voices. But God bless it. It's awesome. Yeah. yeah. And and I'm going to be there for you, even though you are giving me the coldest of shoulders here. You know, you're not being yeah. family. Uh, so 
there's all right i have like a disney like cosmolo- cosmological ethical question for you yep. because one of the things that that he says he's going to have at this banquet is roast goose right and donald and scrooge are definitely ducks right so Aww. here's the thing in this movie right and in disney like in the mickey mouse kind of universe in general there are like animals who are people and there are animals who are animals but a lot of times even the animals who are animals seem like cognizant or sometimes can speak right so yeah, how yeah. does that work <laughs> like, explain this to me how does this work i'll give you the answer are there three levels are there like animal people and then like animal animals who can talk and then like animal animals who can't right. talk and are eaten you answer me why certain animals fight for the white queen and uh, the lion the witch and the wardrobe and don't talk right you answer me that I'll get you some sort of answer for this, but sure. until we can solve all these riddles, well, that actually that does have an that does have an in universe answer. Lewis, yeah, yeah, it's a metaphor for something, oh, God. something, some spiritual metaphor. Um, so Lewis. this has one of my favorite pieces of any Disney animation ever, which is when he he shoves the wreath down around donald's shoulders and then kicks him out the door it's a beautiful piece of animation i know that sounds silly because it's like a second but it is the like the tweening like all of like the kind of little squash and stretch animations between the keyframes are so on point it's such a great like dynamic fluid action if if we don't gush over the animation in this we're doing the spot a, a disservice right this special yeah. has great animation and which it's Disney, so it's like it almost feels like obviously like. But that the, I attention must be paid, okay? Sure. Like quality, consistent quality from the mouse. All right. Yeah. There's a reason why this empire has grown. Okay, it's because you might not always be in the mood for it, but the mouse is always going to be the mouse, and this animation is always going to be this great. This is a great little sequence here, topped off. With the amazing moment where Fred comes back in and shoves that wreath on the doorknob and spin it for all it's worth. And it does a little loop-de-loop. And yeah. it's awesome. It's yeah. like Fred getting the last word. Like, oh, no, you don't. Christmas, yeah. baby. Um, so he's kind of shortly followed by by the uh, the charity collectors who, okay, so in this is Rat and Mole from the Mr. Toad short. I knew it. I didn't look it up. I knew you would. And I was like, I was like, yes, this is Mr. Toad. Yes. Yeah. So, so which they're animals, Victorian-y, like they're wearing their costumes from that special. Why, why is this not Chip and Dale? Who appear later in this special. They're in this special for like a second on screen. But why is it like, because the frog and toad, that was like the, like the forties. Wasn't that was, it? That's an that's an old one because it was with Ichabod Crane, right? But this is the eighties, John. Think about how much stuff from the eighties is forty years now, forty sure. years, and is sure. constantly there. He Man's getting a new show and toys right now. Um, it, there's a thing called the forty and twenty year old rule where nostalgia does like this. Everything forty years ago is the current thing in, and twenty years at the same time. It's a theory put out there by wanna be like speakers on canon and trends like they know something there's something there but i of course just for reference i think everything is nostalgia now because nobody has a damn creative bone in their body to create new stuff so everything is just self-regurgitating but for but back then in 80 
They didn't have all the Disney movies they have now. They had a short supply. And Mr. Toad's Wild Ride was a big ride in the theme parks when they made this recording. And that's probably why they put this in here as a tie-in. They're like, what do we have that has animals in it? Mm -hmm. Animals, good voice actors that we can get probably for the cheap. And also also set in the proper country, you know? Yeah, yeah. I mean, not that, like... Scrooge is like Scrooge McDuck is is Scottish. Donald is half unintelligible. Mickey Mouse is definitely You're like. You're telling American. me they don't have any guy Scots in foggy London town? Come on now, man! That guy, it's a, it's a two minute walk from Scotland to London, right? Come on! Oh boy. Um. Uh. I. So aside from the fact that it it's perplexing to me, and I think maybe that this has just aged poorly because like no one knows like no one who's not like a uh, like a disney weirdo knows who these characters are anymore right like i mean i'm a disney weirdo so i did know who they were i, right. I was like <laughs> like i didn't look it up because i haven't seen that damn movie in years but i was like i'm i'm 99 sure that's who the hell that is sure I, but say what you will about them being brought in here the little they guy, fit well and they're great in the roles yeah the little guys line collecting money for the poor I yeah. was like, oh, like, yeah. that was so yeah. cute. And like, look at that guy with a kid in the face. Oh, it's so yeah. beautiful. Yeah. Um, uh. So there's a really, f- the the conversation that they have with Scrooge is really funny because this Scrooge is less of a, he's like less of an upfront jerk to them and more of like, he's like, for, well, first of all, he thinks they're customers and he's real schmoozy with them at first, which I feel like is not, necessarily the game that other scrooges have played that we've seen this is a scrooge that'll smile to your face while they're putting a knife in your back right yeah like yeah this is that Weir- I- weirdly the disney scrooge is the most duplicitous <laughs> oh god oh god now that you've said that of course but like yeah like this scrooge would definitely that's why this scrooge is all about vanity a little bit like yeah you know, like yeah like, just under the surface, like appearance matters, which has a little bit of an arc. Yeah. And I feel like, I mean, he makes Mickey do his laundry. Like we go, like he, he's, he carries in that huge, huge bag as justification for why later on he's carrying a huge bag, but we'll get to that. Like he's just, he's carrying that and that's all of his laundry. So he's, he cares about his wardrobe, which is not consistent with all the other Scrooges. Most of the time, Scrooge does not care what he looks like. So Right, right. I mean, we just talked about that with Seymour Hicks being all shabby. Oh, yeah. Um, God bless there, uh, So his approach with them is basically to be like, but if if we give them money, they won't be poor anymore. And then you'd be out of work. And please don't make me put you out of work on Christmas Eve. Like the whole thing is very funny as he kind of ushers them out the door. It's so funny about this script is this was a script written in 1974, right? Yeah, yeah. And this is it's an pretty sharp, sh- right? And this is an animated short produced in the 1980s. Yeah, Reaganomics, baby. Yeah, like this is kind of actually kind of counterculture for the po- popular trends at the time. So, accidental way to go, mouse. Political commentary. Yeah, yeah. I feel like I've been is, saying that a lot lately. This is the one place where we get kind of insight into the Scrooge's belief system because he right. says, um. Like, I don't understand people, Cratchit. You work all your life to get money and people want you to give it away. So for some reason, he's driven to just make money. And we never really get a reason why. 
Um, it just seems like he, at some point, like Gordon geckoed and never looked back. Yeah, greed is good. And, and I, I guess it's just, maybe it's a simplistic way of looking at capitalism to vilify it at, at the time in like 1974, right? Well, and also for children. Um, so he, yeah, he, he pawns off his uh, laundry on Cratchit, who willingly takes it and, and heads out for Christmas. He gets a hay penny. Yeah. He gets a hay penny. Yeah. The saddest yeah. sound, the saddest amount of money in the world. Yeah. Like, not even a penny yeah it's a hay penny this scene of scrooge walking home is in the snow is great i would put this up on on my like scrooge walking home mount rushmore next to the richard williams one as as we go through this i am cherry picking my favorite versions of different scenes currently this is my favorite scrooge walks home by himself moment like this is perfect um so and it's it's great because he walks home and like the snow kind of like like clouds out the screen around him as he's going it's like a very lonely walk a nice wide shot of him going through the snow um don't tell me things can't find places to breathe and get pacing okay they're going yeah this is a this is a great moment of pacing that kind of like slows you down after all these characters coming through right this is the we're about to end the first act we are about to end the first act we've hit you over the head so far boom 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 all the traditional things now let's breathe yeah. Set some atmosphere. Yeah. Get to the door knob. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, we get to the door knocker and it is Goofy. <laughs> Goofy is Jacob Marley. And I am I am of two minds about this choice. I love the way this is written and the performance, but I am trying to imagine Goofy being like, pay up mother trucker like oh i'm gonna break your kneecaps <laughs> like <laughs> it's i get what you're saying there and i had the same thought but there's this moment in this scene so goofy comes in and is tripping over everything as a goofy should right well, yeah yeah so we'll, we'll get to that because because this is just oh. his face in the oh, door sorry, knocker. Like, face, yeah 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 but I, um, I have i have thoughts on why i think goofy actually is the perfect choice i will say this i'm a i am a 31 year old adult man watching this right this spooked me out a little bit i the music and the the pacing and his like little ghostly moan it's like it's goofy but that's still a little bit eerie like the way that this is set up it's just scary enough to be totally palatable for a kid and i think that's part of the reason you make goofy this character because it's like jacob marley's the scariest thing in a christmas carol right and everything surrounding him is definitely the scariest so making it goofy really takes some of the teeth out of that i feel like yeah but you also get moments again like the the way it's framed the the atmosphere that's been built up with the scene before but also how scrooge sells it here right yeah mcduck he is just jacob marley like he like really (laughs) squeezes his nose right and (laughs) but that's how because you when he says that, you're as scared as he is in that moment if you're a kid, right? Yeah. Because you're being you're told to be scared. But he breaks the tension by squeezing that nose very nicely balanced. He goes inside and uh he's he's creeping up the stairs, and this is the first time we get like a shadow of Marley following him up the stairs, which you talked about however many episodes ago. Like I feel like back during Alistair Sim, oh, you yeah. talked about how interesting that would have been. And I was like, oh, the Mickey one does that. Right. And I, I forgot about it, but look, the hearse thing, you can't do that in a kid's version, right? Right. Yeah. You can't do the hearse. 
but you can animate anything else you want. So animate Goofy being creepy and funny at the same time, yeah. and you're golden. It's yeah, because it's kind of like it's like Haunted Mansion spooky. Like it's not it's not like you know terrifying but it's like a little bit creepy because it's just his shadow kind of creeping up on the wall and then every time scrooge turns around he's not there and then at one point the shadow picks up the shadow of scrooge's hat and scrooge's hat lifts off his head at the same time i don't know if kid macabre or camp macabre is the right way to describe it but something like that like yeah the kids can the kids can acknowledge death a little bit and and, and ghosts and all the spooky things but they're not like it's not, they're not terrified by it. I, yeah, yeah. I mean, there are still some moments in the Haunted Mansion that do make kids... Oh, dude, first time I went there, there is a moment here later on where I was just like, I couldn't help but thinking that basically what this conversation is, is Goofy coming in and being like, Oh, it turns out there's an afterlife and I'm in hell. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, Satan's here. Like, it's a little bit like, oh, this is yeah. a lot for Disney. But yeah, and the Haunted Mansion can make you scared. Like, uh, trust me, sure. like, I've been on the Haunted The first time I went on the Haunted Mansion, I was holding my mom, you know, giving her the knee hug and like, I am not ready for this. And then my net, I had family members, little ones that were going through the same thing not too long ago. And yeah, but it's part of the growing up. It's part of it. You, I think we, I think kids need a little bit of that, you know, they need to be scared once in a while so that they can not be so scared when other things happen in life. It's the bal. it's a balancing act. You don't want to traumatize anybody. But a little, a little creepy goofy's okay. A little yeah. creepy goofy's yeah. okay. Um, I think that the attitude. So, part of what this sets up having Goofy be Jacob Marley is that the attitude that Scrooge has to him is like afraid at first, and then two seconds later, like when Goofy follows him through the door and trips over his cane and makes like a whole big show of his goofy nonsense. Scrooge is pretty much disarmed immediately. Like he's not really scared anymore. He's more just like, what are you doing here? Scrooge is basically like Bugs Bunny here. Like, yeah, just yeah. Not, not having any of this, like, completely, like, cutting, like, all the tension in the air. Like, like, get, like, like, just, like, gets, gets really, like, doesn't care until he does care, which yeah. is what makes a good performance out There's of a moment here where he picks up one of the piggy banks that's, like, hooked onto <laughs> Marley's chain and is, like, shaking it <laughs> to try to see if there's any money in there. But even the piggy bank is a nice little thing because it's funny visually, right? Yeah. A piggy bank. It's a modern thing, obviously. But also, kids know what a piggy bank is. They yeah. know that they put money in that thing. So what right. is dragging down Marley Goofy? Yeah, money and his love of money and don't be like this guy because you'll end up like goofy tripping on canes even though you're supposed to be able to walk through walls because of course goofy would do that yeah yeah like Kids like goofy don't, don't end up actually like goofy. tripping over that but Go- but marley goofy knows that in real life i would have tripped over that so i have to trip over that now it's yeah it's pretty bad because he's like oh, i committed larceny and now my soul is doomed what, what's the exact quote he stole he, he the widowers uh, robbed from widows and swindled the poor. Like that's that's pretty And he's kind of like low. proud of it for a second and he's like, "Oh, wait a minute, I'm being stabbed with pitchforks in hell." But that's the moment. That's the moment I realized that this goof goofy was the right choice because I didn't yeah. see funny goofy there. Yeah. I saw silent 1950s shorts goofy. Sure. Which is all toxic masculinity. How to play football, yeah. how to do this. And it's like all about ego and pride 
and about how like yeah because we're watching it's, the it, competent, I guess. it's it, that goofy is making fun of the competent man we're kind of watching it through the lens of like sad dad like the goofy movie goofy as 90s kids right right this is this is this is a goofy that lived through the 50s right and you gotta remember that goofy was silent because the voice actors were on strike. Oh, yeah. And this Goofy was made because Walt Disney didn't want to pay union workers. So, like, this Goofy is... That's the Goofy that's standing there with holding the collar and being like, Oh, yeah, I would have done that because I did do that. Because in a way, I'm kind of the symbol of that secretly. Like, <laughs> if, 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 you know, if you know the history of Goofy, I was like, that's why it's this Goofy. And besides, he's tall, lanky, and he's funny. Yeah, yeah, it, it it ends up working out. I was and I was like racking my brain, like who do you make this? Like you need it to be funny because a lot of like pretty much all the spirits in this get some kind of gag. Like right. they're all they're all funny and entertaining. And, and, and again, take Scrooge McDuck out of this. The, yeah, it's not going to be Donald's going to be Scrooge, right? So then you have yeah. like the Trinity: Goofy, Donald, and Mickey. But you got. I wonder if at some point somebody was like. We could just put Donald there. I was like, no, we got Scrooge McDuck. Like, we're, we're good. Yeah. We're good. I feel like the idea had to be like, hey, we have Scrooge McDuck. What if we make him Scrooge in a Christmas Carol? Like, right, right. that has to have been the the logic behind the original idea, right? And if you ever start the other way, as soon as you start, someone's going to point out to you, um, we got Scrooge McDuck just waiting in the wings. We're good, right? Yeah, like, we yeah. don't, don't got to reinvent the wheel here, right? Like, he even has a nephew. Like, it's it's all set out for us. Um, I do love that we get the goofy scream as he falls down the stairs on his way out. I it's did just, note that as well. Oh, ah! oh that, beautiful. It has the, is there a better canned yell in the history of sound? Yeah, it really is like that and the Wilhelm scream, I guess, are like the two. The and Wilhelm the goofy... I feel like the goofy scream is kind of like the like the Pokemon evolution of the Wilhelm scream, yeah. right? It's all that plus a little bit extra. And and also it has it has a story in it, you know? Yeah. Like it's like thing is happening, oh my gosh, and I'm falling. Like, right, like yeah. it arcs and it's it's fantastic. Fantastic bit of art there. Yeah. Always yeah. love a goofy yell. Um so uh, Scrooge is thoroughly humbugging this this situation. He's kind of like poking around in the chimney, like looking around to see if any spirits actually do show up. And then he's finally like, Peh. and he sits down and he snuffs out his candle and he goes to sleep and his curtains do that like breathing thing, his bed curtains, which I thought I, was very good. I love that. I thought that was fantastic right there. Now we get one of the, um, I think like unexpected, but weirdly most appropriate casting choices in this. The ghost of Christmas past is Jiminy Cricket. My boy Jiminy. This guy, side note, when I used to wrestle, one of my nicknames was Cricket. So I always have a little fondness for Jiminy Cricket, who is the official ghost of Christmas past. Yeah, he's got the badge, like in Pinocchio. Yeah. Which is, I think that's like where he had like, like, uh, what, what's he trying to get in Pinocchio again? What is he trying to become? Uh, Man, you're asking me to remember a movie that I haven't seen since I was like That's a shame 12. on both of us. 
Pinocchio is a masterpiece. Like, oh yeah, it's real good. I just haven't like it's not one I, as a thirty year old I would go out of my way to watch Pinocchio. I feel like with my kid, like my son might be sort of getting to the age where most of Pinocchio is okay, but I some of that's Pinocchio a little scary. Hard six nowadays, friends. Yeah. The world when Pinocchio w- first came out, it was just after the Great Depression. We were about to go into World War One. I'm sorry, yeah. two, two. We don't, Jimmy. We don't two. need that. That. <laughs> pleasure island sequence i i still much. say we need that pleasure island sequence because oh no i'm not saying we don't need it i just don't need my two and a half year old watch no it. you need your six year old um, to see it so don't go to school and act like this and don't smoke cigars and go drink beer at six you know sure as sure. the kids do nowadays on the tiktok and their hula hoops yeah smoking smoking cubans um <laughs> But yeah, uh, so Jiminy Cricket, right? So his whole thing in Pinocchio was like he's Pinocchio's conscience, right? right? His like disembodied conscience. And I feel like that's interesting for Scrooge because in a way, the ghost of Christmas past is sort of exposing, like that's the spirit that exposes the roots of Scrooge's behavior, mm. much like a conscience might. Right. Um, so I like this call. He kind of, he's, and I always feel like Jiminy Cricket, like Jiminy Cricket isn't a Mickey Mouse character, but I feel like he sort of was like, he he became kind of like a secondary mascot for a lot of Disney stuff. Yeah. Right. Because when you wish upon a star is like the Disney theme song. Well, he's very Disney, an original Disney creation. And also like it's a great narrator character. Like yeah. just to talk because that's what he's doing in Pinocchio. Like he's just guiding Pinocchio along or trying yeah. to. He's he's in that like pantheon with like Tinkerbell. I, I guess. was just about to say that. Like, yeah, Tinkerbell starting and stopping the Disneyland show and like. Yeah. or the or Saturday Sunday night on ABC like the little flute thing like pretty iconic classical yeah. icons of Disney yeah uh he lights a candle did you catch that yeah, he hops in and he, he lights Scrooge's candle and then he's like hey wake up jerk <laughs> <laughs> it's me Jiminy Cricket well the first line he says is it's about time yeah which I get it it's totally literally what's happening right yeah but the fact that he it's it, what's about to happen is all about time. Yeah, and it's what a, to ooh, do with time. play on words. All right, I, Disney, I'm I see sorry. You. I geeked out on that. I was like, yeah, like that's yeah. just great. Like that's the thing you put in an essay. Like when you're really trying to sound smart. Like, what are they trying to say in this moment? Yeah, and I'm trying to sound smart. Yeah, so that's why I'm going. <laughs> um, yeah. So I love. So he he opens the window and basically gets Scrooge out of bed and uh, opens his little little Jiminy Cricket umbrella and they go flying out and I love this flying sequence i love the music it's like just enough kind of fun and excitement and taking the piss out of scrooge a little bit which this scrooge really needs to be brought down a peg totally totally and yeah. it's also uh, it's great visually like yeah. not much is happening because they're just flying in the air and there's some clouds going by and we get some really nice shots of you know london underneath but what we really get is scrooge's reaction like you're saying and like scrooge is afraid of falling and again, he's a duck. Doesn't he fly? But never mind. And like, but like, he's got to sit on top of the umbrella, and like, you can see the muscles like ache, and like, it's like I don't know if I can do this. I'm an old duck. Yeah. Like, it was like yeah. it was perfect. And we're going to talk about versions of this that have these kind of flying around goofy sequences where it's it super doesn't work or support the narrative in any way. It's right. just like there for the sake of spectacle. And this is not because it's kind of, like I said, it serves like an emotional purpose of moving us from one space to the other, letting us know something magical and Disney-ish is happening. I also think sometimes it's a good thing. And when done right, that's like, it's another Marley moment where like Marley scares yeah. what's happening into Scrooge. This is like, you're, you're sensing all of this right now. Yeah. Believe what you're seeing, you know? Yeah. 
It's cool too, because so we've seen versions of this where they fly and then like time obviously transitions and we know we're in a different place in time. And in this one, instead, they land uh, in the street and it doesn't seem like it just seems like they've flown into the streets of London as is. But we're in front of the Fezziwig Tea Company and we're going straight to Fezziwig for this Christmas past. Right. No Scrooge at school. And I love that little trick they had there. It's like, oh, we're just in the past now. I thought that was. And it, I kind of got a little chuckle out of that, like, no big deal, like, we're just here, which is, I kind of think that's how it would really work, in, in a sense, like, yeah. honestly, like, it would just be, like, because it, like, in a, in a dream, not to go back to dream theory, like, things just transition, not sure. no big show, necessarily. Yeah, I, I like that there isn't any, like, like, all of the, all of the time period transitions in this are subtle and you don't necessarily see them coming until they've already happened right it's and already- i like that more than it being like ooh, wibbly wobbly we're traveling back in time like you know what i mean they don't need um, to show off they don't need to show off a 2001 stargate here um so Fezziwig is mr toad and sitting up on the thing playing the the violin right so this is our next mr toad character we have a lot of mr toad characters in this movie yeah there's a i, I can already think of another one coming up a little bit later like there yeah. and and I think Mr. Toad is also in no Ichabod is the other one who's not here because Ichabod's American. But like right. that's the movie Mr. Toad is in, right? Like yeah, they, yeah. this was Ichabod those, Mr. Toad, yeah. This was a double feature movie back then when they would create something that was a little bit longer than a short, but they didn't have a channel or anything or streaming network. It was right. the fifties. So they just put two shorts to long longer than average shorts together and ship that out there. Yeah, we'll just call it a feature. It, yeah. With some weird like live action stuff tying it all together uh, post world war ii disney is a very interesting company to watch up until they get like the television and the theme parks it's a weird yeah, yeah. stuff going on there yeah so so he looks in and it's like oh my gosh it's fezzy wig and everyone's having this party and we get a few things there's i think some robin hood characters in in this party um there are so they're probably some of these characters i think are probably from frog and toad i wasn't able to identify all of them yeah. um there's, there's definitely one di- like there's a human anthropomorphic human goose so le- leading us to questions about donald's christmas dinner but i'll leave that where it is um hey chip and dale are here so yeah. chip and dale are in this movie they get like two seconds dancing on top of a barrel this is kind of the middle of chip and dale they weren't yeah. as popular as they were going to be or as they were like chip does and this dale Rescue rangers hadn't come out yet Right, I was kind of wondering about that too. Like they're not quite the height of their popularity yeah, you when they were just about... in Indiana Jones and Tom Selleck. <laughs> hey, it worked. It, yeah, it worked. It was I was always more of a Ducktales guy, but Chippendale Rescue Rangers. Let's make some random side characters and just make them Indiana Jones and Tom Selleck, yeah. and it's amazing. Yeah, interesting that there's no Jungle Book in this, but those yeah. are all like animal animals, right? They're not really like anthropomorphic aside from being able to speak not to jump ahead but i gotta say sheer khan as the ghost of christmas future would be awesome it would be interesting i think the choice they do make makes more sense definitely with the other choices here like they're going definitely for more of like i don't want to spoil it but like yeah they're going more traditional either mickey adjacent characters and this is again pre-tailspin like this is before all of those 80s 90s like adventure cartoons sort of anthropomorphized the Jungle Book characters, so Toad is a great choice for Fezziwig. Yeah, he's he's just kind of there. Like he doesn't have any dialogue. He's just playing his fiddle. They got no wig. time. They got they, yeah. they they're like Lee. They don't have they. Uh, there is no time. 
<laughs> so yeah. they just have to they have to keep going. Um, think so. Then uh, you know, incest for the wincest because Daisy Duck Ooh, is our is have... is our bell in this version. Which I, I had the same who, thought. Who else would it be? I guess. Like, who do you make it? Unless you just make up a new character. Again, I feel like they kind of re- if if it wasn't Scrooge was the first idea. Yeah. Then then Donald being here makes a lot of sense because again one of the big three. Marley Marley's goofy, Mickey's uh, Cratchit, and uh, Donald would have been Scrooge. But then somebody realized we have a Scrooge McDuck already. Interesting, yeah. It's I I'm, I'm, I'm percentage wise, I give it like a twenty out of eighty. Eighty, of course, being that they had Scrooge McDuck. But I wouldn't be shocked if that was the, one of the reason here, you know. And Daisy again, who else are they going to cast? They have to create a new character. I mean, yeah. who? Is there another animal-like character? From... I don't know. Did Scrooge McDuck ever have a love interest? But I he... feel like a lot of his mythology is like from DuckTales, which is way after this. Yeah, well, the Scrooge McDuck comic books, which were actually tied with the Donald Duck comic books, just for a side thing here, which we haven't had enough of so far. Uh, the Donald Duck uh, comic books, Donald Duck is a very different character. Yeah. He's... He's more of like a Mickey Mouse in those, honestly. Like he's like the, the everybody. Like he's just he's going to work, trying to make a living, and he's got two different family characters. He's got one character. Uh, what's the other nephew character that's always lucky, right? And then there's uh, the heart who's never really does anything, but always gets money. And then he, on the other side, he's got Scrooge, who is a hardworking character for all of Scrooge McDuck's faults. He's worked for every dime he's got including his first dime. Gosh, I can't wait to watch the ending of season of DuckTales. It's such a good series. Never mind. But he does have a love interest in the comic book. Scrooge does. Um, uh, And it's been in the cartoons recently. I cannot remember it right now because I've been... Binge watching doesn't help you with long-term memory of shows. I honestly believe that. It's interesting that they... It's interesting. (laughs) Well, no, it's interesting that they pull a character like Scrooge out of relative obscurity to, like, make him, you know the star of this movie, but then don't pull his love interest because her role in this is really insubstantial as well. She just kind of is like, so we see Scrooge and he's like the most wallflower ever. He's, he's like very shy, young Scrooge McDuck. Um, and she kind of like pulls him over to join the party and tries to like, you know, get some under the mistletoe. And it's a a pretty good, cute fake. Like it's like a pretty good, like it's a pretty good, cute fake. Uh, like, Wait, meet cute? Is that what it's called? I don't know terms. Yeah, it's yeah, meet cute. They're not meeting though, so yeah, I. It's, it's just a party cute. I don't know. She you takes call him it. by the hand and and he says, "I'm under the mistletoe. I'm already." And he's like, "And you're on my foot." Yeah. <laughs> and that was like, okay, I like that little beat there. Yeah, and then they dance, and he and old Scrooge is really wistful and like, "Oh my gosh, I was in love with her." He's all about it, and he and he's he's got his hands under his head, like just leaning forward, and he's very very happy. And then Jiminy yeah. has to move time forward. Yeah, he's like, guess, guess what, chucklehead? <laughs> Ten years later, you loved something else, and and he's counting in the counting house, just like counting stacks of coins. We don't get enough of this, okay? I want stacks of coins like yeah. this in my Scrooge. All right, yeah. I want, I want. Albert Finney did it. We had Albert Finney counting coins. Yeah, yeah but not like this. Not like, no. not like, like stacks of coins like that meet. 
It's like, like he's Saint building Louis. a house like, of cards. Like, 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 like an arch. <laughs> like they just like come, they come over and like they're like, and then they build up again on top of each other. Like impossible, like designs, like stacks. Like I want, I want Tower of Babel as stacks. Okay, like appropriate. Yeah, it's it's, but then it leads to because of course this we know what this scene is. Yeah. This is the breakup scene. But unlike other versions, it's a little twist here. Yeah, so so she comes in, right? And she's like, hey, so I bought this honeymoon cottage for us. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've been waiting for 10 years for you to propose, which she's she's kind of a sucker, right? I mean, that's a that's a raw deal. And and his response to her, right? Because she's basically coming to be like, so like, are you gonna move? Are you gonna make a move on this? Like, are you gonna put a ring on this feather I, that counts as my finger? Yeah. Um. And and his response is like, she was like a day late on her last payment, so he's foreclosing her mortgage. <laughs> it's it, it doesn't make any sense, but it's a great way of like showing how far down the rabbit hole he's gone and that does probably make him like in terms of this relationship this has got to be the worst scrooge oh yeah 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 this is he's the one he's like entirely ambivalent about his relationship to her because all the other times we get some variation in the breakup scene of like you already have broken up with me you just haven't said it yet right i know where you're at daisy's got no clue daisy like she wants to get married and he's like, nope. And guess what? You're kicked out of where you wanted to go on the honeymoon with me. So get the heck out, right? And yeah. it's, oh. She does get him good, though. She slams the door on the way out and knocks down all his coins. Symbolism! Yeah. Symbolism. Yeah. So and good. that is, and that's pretty much all that, uh, all that our Scrooge needs to see of the past. And Jiminy Cricket just leaves him with, hey, listen, man, you made these memories yourself. Like, don't, don't. Don't blame me. This right. is on you. So good. So, so good. Yeah. And that and that brings us to our halfway mark. So uh, real quick, uh, we're going to uh, pay our clerk and pick up our laundry. So <laughs> we're going to do we a quick We need that hay break. penny. We yeah. need that hay penny. Yeah. Yeah. And we will be right back. If I stopped your half a crown for it, you'd think yourself who you was, wouldn't you? Hmm? But you don't think me you'll use if I pay a day's wages for no work, do you? Cheers hmm? only one cigar, sir. It's a poor excuse for picking a man's pocket every 25th of December. And we are back. Scrooge is in his bed, uh, bemoaning how he could be so foolish. We don't really get a strong indication whether or not this was a dream or not. No, I mean... I feel like it sort of implies that it could be, because Jiminy Cricket sort of fades out, and then his alarm clock is ringing, and he's just sort of sitting there bemoaning his choices. The best versions are always the ones where you can't tell one way or the other. Yeah, I mean, they don't have the lines here back in the Marley scene where it's like, you know, you could be, you know, just an upset stomach type of deal. Sure. Which I, he I doesn't seem say, to doubt the reality of Marley being there. Right. But aside from that, the rest of the ghost sequences are pretty well handled in that respect. Going back to Marley real quick. I, I forgot something there, right? 
when Marley said you will be visited by three ghosts. Oh yeah. The greatest answer to a problem I have ever seen has happened. Okay. So little thing about animation, most, you know, cartoon type of character, traditional, like funny cartoon characters, not really realistic looking characters don't have five fingers. It doesn't look, it's not easy to animate. It, it doesn't look right. And a bunch of other reasons that I don't have the time to get into right now. So Goofy and all the other characters, they are eight fingered. They have four yeah. fingers on each hand. I've heard so, it's easier to draw. I think that, and that's probably just the base root of it. So Goofy's got to say that you're going to be visited by three ghosts. But because he doesn't have that pinky and he doesn't really, really draw attention to the fact that he's only got four digits, right? He does two, right? Which is. And, and the gag is Goofy can't count. That's and the good. gag is yeah. Goofy can't count. It is brilliant it is i i'm sorry i know we're on to something completely different but i would not be happy if i didn't go back and say that is one of the best answers to a problem i have ever seen in my life that is genius that is genius yeah it's really funny that is somebody somewhere somewhere realized the problem and like i got the perfect answer sorry that was just i had to acknowledge that attention must be paid So we we're we're dipping back into the like into the obscure Mickey short character bin for this next ghost because we have uh the ghost of Christmas present um and it is Willie the Giant. Right. Now Willie the Giant for all of you people who are like into the really deep Disney cuts. From the movie Fun and Fancy Free if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, and then later I think they re-released Mickey and the Beanstalk. Well, so here's the thing. There are two Mickey giant shorts. Mickey and the Beanstalk is the one that we are getting here, but Mickey also did a uh, Jack the Giant Killer short yeah. as well yeah, yeah, yeah. earlier on. That's The a Brave Little Tailor. T- yeah, right? he's the tailor yeah. and he's sewing up the giant. But that's not this giant. That's no, not no, no, no. That giant's like a hardcore villain compared to this guy. This guy's gimmick in the movie was that he was kind of, as we see here, kind of dopey-ish, you know, kind of silly, messing up the words. But his power, this guy actually had the power to change into things, like change into a rabbit and stuff like that. Oh gosh, like, I forgot about that. Like, and I, John, to be honest with you, I forgot about that to this very moment as well. But yeah. <laughs> like, like, like this guy is a weird interpretation of the giant character, not that threatening in a very silly version of Jack and the Beanstalk with Mickey, Donald, and Goofy. Yeah. So you don't see him that much nowadays. All I remember from that movie is the scene where they're sharing a slice of bread and they've got to slice it really thin so it's like partially transparent. It's brilliant. It's and then awesome. like Donald Duck has a has a has a uh nervous breakdown <laughs> and goes homicidal for a second. Yeah, and they are it's a little borderline. <laughs> that is maybe the last great Mickey Donald goofy, like, like just the three Until, like, of Kingdom Hearts. <laughs> well, Mickey's not in the first Kingdom Hearts, so no. That's like, true, yeah. Like, and yeah. even Prince of the Pulper, like, they're all separated for most of that. Like, they're not really all together until, like, the end, and that's only for a few moments. That short, that part of the movie, they're all there together. They're in it together, working as a team, and they're funny they're like the stooges when they're doing physical comedy like they're great at it i remember the bit where they're carrying the key so like oh yeah mm-hmm. like they're just under the, all the food on the table 
And speaking of food on the table, we got a nice spread in this one, too. This has got to be our best Christmas present feast, right? I mean, just in terms of scale. Scale and interpretation of what the food represents, right? Like, I've had my qualms with, like, the milk of humanity and stuff like that. But the fact that the spirit of Christmas, Christmas present, right, is feasting on good deeds and goodwill towards men. Like, yeah. That's awesome. Specifically, this feast represents like the generosity that Scrooge has denied. So it's right. a it's a visual illustration of like the bounty that is a generous spirit, which and I think is I like better than the milk of human kindness thing from Scrooge. Yes. I like it a lot better because I think it's a more it it cuts better to the heart of the character, and I think it is. It more in line with what I think Dickens originally intended, which is to have this story really represent like, you know, people of means like Scrooge have a have a moral obligation to use their means to better the lives of the less fortunate. Because Scrooge is no better than the less fortunate. And and, and you're just a person. Like, yeah. like the lowest of the low and the highest of the high. You're just a person. But because of your privilege, you should recognize that and give back. Yeah. And Scrooge, uh, and all versions up until the end of it, doesn't do that and has to yeah. learn the lesson through extreme methods. And yeah. this is Scrooge a good... here, this is another place where we get a glimpse of his, like, of his sort of psyche and characterization. Because, mm-hmm. you know, the spirit is like, you've denied generosity to your fellow man and, and this scrooge's response is like no one's ever showed me generosity yeah it's a very like dog eat dog type of deal like, like yeah nobody nobody's gonna help me out so why should i help anybody else out yeah and nobody would ever be kind to me or think kind of me and which if you don't do, if you're not doing the fred scene you kind of got to mash a lot of these ideas together and show sure. the best part of the christmas present sequence which yeah. of course is what we're getting to next yeah um so so the spirit kind of like tucks scrooge into his pocket because he's large like he's a legit like godzilla sized giant like he's very big oh and... yeah yeah stay puff marshmallow man all the way here like yeah, this guy's yeah. king kong so bigger than king kong there's a really there's a really funny gag here where so he opens the roof of scrooge's house and steps out into the street and then he picks up one of the street lamps and like switches it on and off like a little flashlight which is fun that's just a little cute little right detail there. That is that is what a great like comedian would do. Just take what you got around you. It's gonna take it and make something funny, like yeah. Robin Williams or something. Like, Here's a scarf. I'm gonna make it 15 different things. Here's- and it's got that great like womp, boom, 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 kind of like you <laughs> know giant music. I love when he opens the other roof and so yeah. I love when he opens the roof of like the neighboring house and the woman screams and he's like, oh, that was the wrong one. Like, right. It's just good stuff. Which, by the way, if, if that's canon, <laughs> like, sure, I got to say that's the biggest indication that this actually is the dream here because that's what Scrooge would think would happen there. Right. Sure. But I, I digress. That that cuts both ways. Um, ah, fair enough. <laughs> uh, so we go straight to uh, the Cratchits. Right. Right. So we're getting very brief um, little interludes with these ghosts. Basically, they like basically each of the ghosts sort of delivers like a moral imperative of some kind and then goes and gives him an object lesson in that moral imperative. So for this one, it's generosity. Um, This has got to be the the most scant Cratchit Christmas 
ever ever done ever right it's it's animation you gotta everything is heightened everything is over the top or under the top in this version and that is most most of the dialogue is just scrooge and the ghost discussing what's going on right a very pleasant meal between a loving family you know a smaller cratchit family we get a brother and a sister who aren't tiny tim and then we get maybe the most adorable tiny tim yeah this one really got me this is a cute tiny tim it's a little it's very saccharine like it's very over the top in how sweet he is but it's also like yeah it gets you um so so Minnie mouse who has no dialogue in this movie i'm pretty sure we should start a counter of how many times Mrs. Cratchit just doesn't have any dialogue. Like, it's twice at this point. It's Garish Patel and Disney. Right, so I feel like that's opposite ends of the I, spectrum. I, I'm bringing out a bit from a few shows ago. Over, under. F- more or more than five or less than five? Oh, dang. I'm going to say less than five. Because most versions are going to do this scene straight up. I'm you know ta- what I mean? I'm going to take the over. There's a lot of stupid versions out there. Like, like... Like a lot of bad animated versions out there. Yeah, fair. Even with more time, that might just like somehow skip her dialogue. Well, like, we're we're at two now, so I guess we'll find out. Yep. Um, yeah, she's cooking a turkey, like uh, like basically a uh, a pigeon. Like, is that a canary? Is what Scrooge yeah, says. That yeah, is not yeah. wrong. Yeah, like a tiny, tiny little thing, and they see this pot boiling on the stove, but then they're like, "Oh no, that's just your laundry, you jerk." Good bit there. Reminds us of the laundry, which is setting up again something that's coming up later. Yeah, um, and uh, yeah, it is kind of Chekhov's laundry bag, isn't it? Yep. Um, it's subtle, but it's there. the The point at which this movie hit me on an emotional level for the first time was was right here when when Mickey sits down at the table and they're all like eating, and he is basically carving a bean in half, which has to be a, a mickey and the beanstalk reference because they do that exact same thing because i remembered them cutting the bean at least that's where i've always i've had the two visuals in my head like cutting a bean or cutting the bread so like they've all like merged into like one in my memory yeah and tiny tim right no dialogue but tiny tim tries to give like he sees mickey carving the bean in half and he tries to hand him his like meager little drumstick and it got to me because i watched this with my son I like we like sat together and watched this before he went to bed the other night to get ready. And I was just like, dang, dude, like, that's not fair. You can't do that to me. That was rough. That was rough. More even than his death, which is also pretty. We'll get to that. We will. We will get to that. But man, like Mickey, Mickey's got his working boots on here as like the everyman again. Like this is like perfect. And it's just simple version of the scene. But everybody What I like too is like it ends on the spirit being like he gonna die. Right. 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 Cause because Tiny Tim brings up thanking Scrooge. And yeah. Scrooge has said right before this, like, surely that's not all the food they've got. Yeah. Like I think this guy just doesn't understand money. Like he doesn't understand because he doesn't spend it unless he's spending on his right. He wardrobe. he it's well, it's like that narcissism thing of like you can't empathize with people outside of yourself. So and I think Scrooge's issue is like, he's got that very privileged mindset and he just doesn't get like, why would people, why did these people want me to give my money away? Like why is Cratchit wanting to take the day off? And then he, he has to go and see it for himself. Right. You but he does ask like, like, you know, 
what will happen to Tiny Tim, right? right? Who's obviously ill with his little crutch. And the spirit's like, uh, if this if this doesn't change, I see like an empty seat where he once sat. And as Scrooge is realizing what that means, the spirit disappears. And there's just two big footprints in the snow, which is a very, very good transition. Beautiful, iconic moment. Like, yeah. I don't rem- I haven't thought about that in a long time. It's really good, though, because it really leaves him like isolated because the lights in the house go out. Right. And the, and the feet are gone. And it's almost like he's instantly transported put those haunting footprints like it's just like it's, yeah. it's so like it like it's you because you reminded that what was there isn't there right yeah. and then it's such a unique visual that and then again the light, like you said the lights go out and we're ready for our third ghost yeah so he's calling for the spirit and the fog is gathering and then all of a sudden he's hit with like a very intentional like smoke ring or like a gust of smoke and he's coughing in the smoke and hacking and then he leans against a tombstone that wasn't there before right? right and he looks up at the kind of pudgy ghost of christmas future smoking on a big stogie <laughs> <laughs> Which, you know what, I get people not liking smoke represented in certain things of art, right? Because, you know, especially animation, and Disney did give us a warning before that, like, hey, they're smoking in this thing. I know, I it's it. those Disney Plus warnings, I'm so fascinated by. Oh, somebody somewhere, God bless them, they're doing the Lord's work. <laughs> they're keeping some stuff on that streaming network. Yeah. Um. No, but like... So it's pretty it's obvious, death. I think. If smoking, you're, if is, you... smoking is death. Smoking is yeah. not good for you, so future death smoking kind of works here creates natural yeah. fog it works it, it is i think if you're like a disney fan pretty obvious who this is but we're gonna i'm gonna hold off until the face reveal for our discussion purposes just it's, because it's, it's a fun it's a really good reveal um i remember th- I, th- there the moments i do remember from this like i've said like the feet and everything like are iconic and will never leave your memory something i really love is that this as soon as scrooge realizes that this is the ghost of christmas future his first question is like what will happen to tiny tim right Right. which you really need and i I think obviously like the dickens text i think doesn't make that as pressing an issue for scrooge but i think that versions that have adapted this and have chosen to have that be the focus it's a really good way to show the way his mindset is shifting from what is best for me to like what is best for other people Right, it's yeah. Stakes are are we have high stakes right now. We know what's going. We believe what Scrooge is scared for the first real time. Truly scared. He he didn't really wasn't that scared by Marley. He was upset by what happened with Cratchit and maybe that he'd fall, but not really afraid. Right, and then with present, it was like he was goofing off and then kind of charmed by the Cratchits. But then as soon as he hears Tim, his life is on, on the line. Real fear, real stakes yeah. are arisen, are, and it's awesome. Yeah. So the ghost points over uh, to a nearby hillside because they're in a a pretty big like country cemetery, right? Yeah. In this sequence, this whole this whole sequence takes place at the graveyard, which I think is actually kind of a good call. Right. And we see, you know, the 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 Cratchit Mickey Mouse family on a hill, standing next to like a tiny little kind of crooked tombstone, and Minnie uh, takes like the other children down the hill and mickey hangs out there for a minute and he just leans down to rest the crutch on the tombstone with a with a hopeless broken tear in his little corporate icon eye and i was sitting there like 
this is a lot like we goofy is is being tormented in hell and mickey mouse is weeping over the grave of his dead son and one more insane thing is going to happen before this movie is over along those lines right this is a lot this is really heavy for a movie that i remember being like really super child friendly you know i'm reminded of the old superman the motion picture slogan you'll believe a man can fly yeah you'll believe a mouse will cry like they earn this moment with mickey because he's holding it together he's trying to hold it together as bob always does like he's trying to hold this whole thing together but as he puts that crutch down and my my boy is gone holy crap was he crying and i was crying too it was it's it's heavy oh it's i this is what i want out of my bob cratchit type of moments like this is like like these types of scenes like this is like I haven't seen this moment really done that many other places. And I think that's a problem because I think there's a lot of power in this type of exchange of a moment here with Bob and the tombstone. Oh man. Yeah. There's like a poignancy to how broken he is. And Um, it's pretty silent. It's, it's, there's no And Scrooge and Scrooge is, is devastated. Oh, Scrooge is is having nothing. I mean, he's immediately like, can we, that has to change. Like this, that can't happen. Tell me that I can change this. And it's right? before the next thing's about to drop, which is a great right. beat, you know? Yeah, yeah. He doesn't even, he's not even concerned about himself. He's just like, like, please tell me I can change that. And right. then he's his attention is pulled away because our last selection of Frog and Toad, or not Frog and Toad, that's a different thing, yeah, of Mr. Toad characters, mm-hmm. these weasels who are yeah. digging the grave, right? Like pre, I don't know if they were already planning who framed Roger Rabbit or if the weasels were in things beforehand. I gotta be honest, that's a blind spot. They, got, they have kind of a Tex Avery feel, right? Yeah, that's that sounds about right. But they're, they're cockney as cockney can be. And yeah. they're not going to Well, the Winds and the forever. Willows, the, the, similar to like the Redwall books. I don't know if you've ever read those. But like the weasels and stoats are like the bad rodent animals. These, uh, these weasel grave diggers kind of serve the, the role that's usually filled by the guys at the exchange who are talking about whether or not they're going to go to Scrooge's funeral. And they're just kind of like, ah, this is going to be a cheap funeral. No one's going to show up. We can go take a smoke break. It's fine. Yep. Not good guys. Not good One of them sounds like Peter Laurie. Did you notice that? A little bit. little bit. He he comes in and I'm like, it's like, he's like, oh yes, no mourners. No one will bid him farewell. And I'm like, oh, that's like borderline offensive unless you're just doing Peter Laurie, which I guess is what they're doing. Everybody was just doing Peter Laurie, even if they didn't know Peter Laurie. Like, I I knew Peter Laurie even before I had seen any of his work, before I had seen like Casablanca, Maltese Falcon, and of course his best movie. Is this our like second weird Casablanca drop in like two episodes? Because because uh, oh, what's God. his face was in uh oh yeah oh my gosh hey Casablanca great movie I don't think it's the greatest movie of all time I think that's a little bit of overhyped but there's there's a lot of great it's a good in that it's film. a pretty good one oh, it holds up but some yeah. stuff just has not aged well in that movie I I I'm done thinking Rick I want you to do yeah the so <laughs> yeah, right that, that's a lot um yeah. Yeah. The reveal of the Ebenezer Scrooge on the tombstone here is really great. So we have an open grave. Yeah. Okay. Right. And is this our, so we had an open grave for Ghost of Girlfriends Past. We had an open grave, obviously, in Scrooge with Albert Finney. Mm-hmm. Right. And this is, this might be our third open grave where it's like. Yeah. This one, we're definitely under the average on this one. I feel yeah. like we'll see. 
I think we're going to see a lot more open graves as we go on. It's it's uh, it seems to be like it's going to be an open grave if he's going to fall in it, which is going to happen here. So yeah, it's a good go to. It's a good go to. Yeah. So Scrooge is like leaning gingerly over to look down this like very very deep grave, and and the ghost reaches down and strikes a match on the tombstone to reveal his name on it, Mm -hmm. and then. Brings that match up to light a new cigar and his hood falls back and it is Pete. Oh, Pete yeah. is the ghost of Christmas future. Is Pete a cat? Yes, Pete the cat. Mickey Mouse, Pete the cat. Right, that's what I thought. Even hey, though he's like, like the least the least feline thing ever. It's there if you look it for kind of, it. Sure, it feels like he's evolved more in like a dog direction. Remember this is the era when the Pete was created like Felix the cat and stuff like that. Like, sure, very, yeah. These very like simple designs. Pete, Pete doesn't get... I, I mean, feel like he looks more like a cat in like the old like Steamboat Willie era oh, yes. kind of... The whiskers yeah. are there, prominent. Like Pete yeah. in the older days was definitely more of a cat. And Pete is the original Disney villain. Like he right. is... He's Mickey's arch nemesis, which is which is what makes this a great reveal because he only has the one line, right? It's Ooh. yours, Ebenezer, the richest man in the cemetery, which is great. It's a great Perfect line. It's really line. good. Yeah, if Perfect you're gonna have line. the ghost of Christmas future speak, it's like nice to have it be something with that much punch, right? And 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 it needs to be a villain to have that much malice in a yeah. Disney thing. Like, yeah. like only a villain can get away with. And he like that. he gives uh he gives like Scrooge a real like boomer dad smack on the back and sends him careening down into the graves and and he's cackling the whole time and this visual is like harrowing because Scrooge is hanging from a root sticking out of the side of this grave as the casket down like thirty feet down the shaft opens billowing fire and smoke and here's a funny story about me as a young child watching this movie. I thought, watching this movie, that when you died, they put you inside of a casket full of fire, because I didn't get the the subtext of what was happening here. <laughs> I just thought, and I remember my mom explaining to me, like, well, sometimes, and I think she was talking about cremation and had no clue what I was talking about, because in my brain, I was referencing this movie in my childlike innocence. <laughs> Well-intentioned mom who just wants to tell the truth to their child and not like, yeah, some kids... Some some people burn when they die, like yeah, that happens. But some go in the dirt, and then some just walk off a cliff. I don't know, like, it's, like it's yeah, like, whatever. Like, it's like yeah, it's like just, it's, random, it's just a funny detail of like a misunderstanding. Like, I remember it's, because it's actually possible. it's actually the you know the yawning mouth of hell opening to consume Scrooge McDuck. Yes, uh, it is, and it is the best version of hell I can remember so far that we've seen. Yeah, we've seen a couple actually. We've seen like. Well, because Albert Finney fell down like a long, endless tunnel and then ended up in sort of like a a Dante's sort of hell. This is a much more alarming, like, it's right there and he's going to fall and Pete's cackling and the music's going crazy with violins. And he's like, I'll change, I'll change, I'll change. And then he falls and. He changes. He does. He tumbles out of bed, wrapped up in his bed sheets. And there's a little bit of smoke, which is like a nice little effect. Like there's smoke at first and then it kind of clears and he's back in his room and it's Christmas morning. Oh boy. Maybe that's real. Maybe it's not. Maybe it's Yeah, we don't know. Yeah. (laughs) Or dust. We don't know. (laughs) And he throws open the windows and like the Christmas bells are ringing and the spirits have given him another chance. And watching this now as a 30 year old, I'm like, wow, he, he 
that was max like 15 minutes of screen like 10 maybe between marley showing up and his like change of nature but i will say this again it's all about pacing yeah structure okay you watch the beginning of beauty and the beast the, the animated beauty and the beast it's fast okay she gets in the castle pretty damn quick but it's okay because of how it's paced and how the characters are supporting each other and the story right yeah everything's yeah. going fine your brain kind of fills in the missing time i feel like this is a problem with a lot of modern movies they either are going too fast or they're trying they're going too slow but not earning it this movie is exactly what it needs to be and he gets to the right place just in the nick of time because it's christmas day yeah um and he's like you know running around at one point he like puts his foot through his hat and is laughing about it because the top of his top hat is sort of flapping open and he's like put on his scarf but it's still hooked on the coat rack he's wearing his he's uh what is it uh what's it called again it's uh, his over overcoat whatever he's got like his pajamas dress oh yeah his 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 yeah his his nightshirt yeah pajama dress and he's got that on and you know and, he's, and he and he runs out the door looking, you know, in a kind of weird outfit, but he doesn't care because he's yeah. not vain anymore because he doesn't yeah. care about that. Again, there is a great gag, too, because he like runs back in and he's like, I can't go out like this. And then he's like, oh, here's my cane. That's better. I and then he still goes stick. out in the crazy. I, outfit. I don't know yeah. what's out there. I need my beating stick. <laughs> yeah. 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 For his hobbly, his hobbly little. uh uh Spatted duck feet. Um so out, outside we get the the kids from Robin Hood are going by in the street. Mm-hmm. Uh and then he almost immediately runs into uh uh Rat and Toad, the charity collectors again. They're Not like, Rat and Toad, Rat and Mole, the charity collectors. Which was a little suspect if I'm being honest. Like at all like the versions, yeah. I was like, were they doing something here to like were they giving like him absence or something like that? Like just trying like, all right, just whisper through the walls all this stuff. We'll get the money tomorrow. It, yeah. It's worked like the like this is the fifth Scrooge in five years that they've done this to. Like Right, right. The Scrooge Gambit is a con job. <laughs> My favorite detail here, right? So he gives them some money and they're like, Oh, that's and they're trying to like insist that he's giving them too much money and he hasn't really given them a lot yet. And then he's like, oh, "Okay, you drive a hard bargain." And this detail is great because he opens his jacket like some guys selling watches in Times Square, yep. and he's got like a bunch of pockets inside with little bags of gold coins. Mm-hmm. And he's like putting them in the mole's pants, and his pants are falling down, and he's throwing it at them. And gotta acknowledge the hearts on the underwear. Always oh, right. a fan. Well, what else would there be? Yeah, it, 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 it's it's classic. You gotta love yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah, so this is great. So he, he's, you know, skipping down the street and goofing around. Um, he runs into uh, he runs into Donald, who's riding this, like, cart and horse. That cart and horse is also from uh, Mr. Toad, by the way. Right, if you remember your Disney sing-along tapes, he's the horse from We're merrily, 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 merrily on our way to nowhere in particular. And that's all I remember of that song because that's all you need to know. Because that is a like, song I've literally never heard before. Oh, dude, it's 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 an it's it's a toe tapper, man. It's yeah. it's. I it, think it, I've seen Ichabod and Mr. Toad like one time, and I was probably like eight, if I'm if I remember correctly. I have seen Mr. Toad once, probably from my childhood. I've seen the sing along songs, yeah. of course, all all the time because I yeah. rewatched those VHSs forever. But Ichabod, I saw a bunch. They played it a bunch on the Disney Channel, like Halloween. 
Right. So, like, yeah. I got like that short. I saw a bunch of times. But With uh, bones. Yeah. And, and Bing Crosby. You know. Yeah. <laughs> Let me tell you something about the headless horseman. Uh, that's more Elvis, Jimmy. Come on now. <laughs> um. <laughs> so he yeah he tells him that he's going to show up to his his uh christmas dinner and you know donald is taken aback but very excited that's pretty much how the scene goes it's a, it's a it, donald doesn't need to change doesn't need to go yeah. he just needs to be like just smiling because he was already good you know and like yeah. he's happy that's that his uncle's coming to dinner positive good stuff yeah uh he so then he buys out a toy store which this ha- like uh, this is very albert finney scrooge energy right going into the right. toy store right well, this is almost like a one-to-one it's disney they gotta let you know that to celebrate christmas you gotta buy toys yeah yeah um and then he comes out with you know that big sack which is kind of going to be the payoff for the laundry uh this whole time which is i will say that's an iconic visual that this has created that Scrooge hunched over carrying something on his back. It's, it's continued in DuckTales, especially the later se- seasons. We see that, that one a lot happening. It just Scrooge like carrying something over his shoulder. Sure. Sure. Um, and this Scrooge ends up uh, going right to the Cratchit house for, for Christmas morning. Um, so, he sort of barges in. No one says anything about the fact that he's still in his dressing gown, right? Showing up at Cratchit's door. He's got and money. he he's yeah, got money. Yeah, he can do whatever he wants. Right. And he throws down uh he throws down the I mean, sack on the in, floor. John, you live in America, right? You know the rich can do whatever they want. Uh yeah, yeah. That's that's in the constitution. Right, right, right. Um so uh, Tiny Tim is sort of watching him curiously and like a little teddy bear pops out of the bag that he like shoves back in because he's acting all grouchy. He's doing that like I'm still mean old Mr. Scrooge thing. Um, Which is a nice little thing because it lets Tiny Tim know not to be traumatized by what's leading up to a good moment. Like I like yeah. that little, like, little safety net thing. Yeah, yeah. Well, Tiny Tim's, you know, he's pure. So he's he sees through the lies or whatever. Yeah, so Scrooge is kind of giving giving Bob guff about the you know the half day off thing um i've had enough of it which means i'm gonna give you and then tiny tim opens the bag and there's all these toys and he's like i'm gonna give you a raise and i'll make you partner mm-hmm. so this is our this is our second instance of bob becoming partner in the firm i think i i like that beat i always liked it i thought it was it's the rightful thing it's the right thing to do you know yeah. and it's also connected with the sign it's like yeah there's there's supposed to be two names there. It's made for two names. And there's going to be another name there. It's going to be Mickey and Scrooge. Yeah. And, uh, well. Yeah. My only quibble with it always is, like, it's probably unrealistic just in terms of, like, their backgrounds and education and lots of other things having to do with historical accuracy. But symbolically, I do like it. It's a nice little, like, reward I, for his hard work. I think that if a real Scrooge saw the light, he wouldn't care about those things and he would sure. do what's ever right. So I, I think a Scrooge would like not get why it would be go against social norms. Like I think that's well, so part in, of it. Scrooge is a guy with one employee, right? And Charles Dickens is writing this to like the people who are running these factories and stuff. Right. So Bob, Bob is a symbol for like the working class of London. If you're looking back at Char- the original text and like the author and the author I, I, is dead. I, I, so I, I, we can read whatever we want into I've it. I've read the novella, John. Yeah. Yeah. 
But you see, you see what I'm saying? Like the, <laughs> I think in terms of Dickens, it's like the, his message is probably if you are an employer, be like fair and generous to your employees, pay them a living wage and give them Christmas holidays off and don't be a jerk. I think in, I think now it can be like, treat your fellow man as an equal to you. So you can also read that into it. I no, guess I get that. I get that. But I, I, I think though that of course, you know, everything is political. Everything has to go with the times that's in no doubt. And, yeah. but I think nowadays we're far removed from that type of, you know, unofficial official class system type of deal that we can, I mean, okay, maybe not really in America, but like, the fact that that there is that divide wouldn't stop somebody in theory from getting that type of promotion. Hopefully, Hopefully. yeah, no, no, not at this point. Yeah, not so at like this point, I think certainly. I I don't mind this choice in uh, more modern retellings of it. I actually yeah. like it, and I think it's it's doing as well. It for, definitely works here. It's it's fair, and it yeah. and it's it's like Richard, we're just two schlubs working in a place together. Let's make and you've been doing probably more of the work than I have, and you're a better you're a better person than I am Mickey. So let's work together and be partners. I love it. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And that kind of brings us to our close. Like the kids all pile around Scrooge in the rocking chair. It's like they a really all, nice visual. They all climb all over them. And it's yeah. like, it's just, it, it's, it, it's, it's, it's really, it's a really beautiful, like little ending. And like, it's yeah. like just, you know, Minnie and Mickey are like watching from the side and, fades out into that music and with that like hit of nostalgia again um yeah and that brings us to our close oh pray with it sail those ships all three on christmas day on christmas day oh pray with it sail those ships all three on christmas day in the morning so good so good well jim i have i have some questions for you about this movie what is going to get your christmas anthropomorphized goose for this particular episode well my goose has been cooked and is definitely going to as i was saying it three things are fighting for the title in my head right now um And I got to go with my initial instinct. I got to go with Goofy as Marley. Oh, wow. Okay. I think it is, save the fact that he's a dog and mm-hmm. a klutz. It's exactly what I want out of a Marley, you know? Sure. Just the right amount of scare, the right amount of, um, I love Goofy's interpretation of the role. I love Goofy's interaction with Scrooge. Um. I always like a tall, gangly Marley. I, I just, yeah. it's, it's one of my things I really like. And, and this was the probably accurate. My, <laughs> and, it, and it was probably, it was probably my first Marley. Like, yeah. And it has a marrow deep connection with me. Like I remember Goofy as Marley more than maybe even Scrooge McDuck as Scrooge, which is silly to think about, but, Goofy's got his working boots on here, yeah. and I think he earns uh, my goose. But John, who's getting your goose tonight? 
So I'm going to give mine to like a particular moment. And it's it's that moment of Tiny Tim trying to give Bob the, the little partridge leg or whatever he's because it's just in this movie that I'm pretty immune, I think, to the the nostalgic charms of just the Disney cast of characters because Disney is such like a giant corporate nightmare now but it was a genuinely like human and touching moment and i'm sitting there watching it with my son and it really got to me emotionally more than anything else in the special so to me i think that moment stood out to me enough to be my christmas goose okay this episode that ain't necessarily fair. You went with moment. I didn't know we could just start doing moments on here, okay? We can do whatever we want. All yeah. right, well, here's all right, here's my laundry list of moments, okay? I'll give you a half penny. I'll give you a hate penny for it, okay? Here we go. We got the uh, Ghost of Christmas Presents Footprints as we transition to Oh, uh, yeah, that's a good one. That is money. We got Mickey, of course, at, at Tiny Tim's grave. I cried so hard at that moment, okay? Um, And we've got, and of course... We've got, like you said, that amazing animation sequence of Donald Duck getting kicked out by Scrooge McDuck. It is, look, there are so many gooses to give here, okay? Yeah, it's, it's pretty flawless across the board, which is going to make this next question kind of difficult to answer. Yep. But we must, we must press on. Ah, you don't like We this. must press on. Ah. Okay, to what do you offer your lump of coal for this movie? It's about time. I give my coal to the length of this special. Mm. If I had my druthers and I could make this whatever I wanted, I would give this a full television hour, 48 minute runtime. So we can get a little bit more in there with Fred. We can Mm -hmm. get a little bit more in there with a few of the, an old Joe scene. Yeah. That would have to be Pete, right? Well, it could, it could, which is kind of cool. Pete is awesome. Yeah. Like doing both, like that could work. Like I think there's the big bad wolf could have been old Joe. Oh um, yeah. Like yeah. there's like there's and there's a a lot again. There's a lot of other wonderful little moments that we just don't get because of the length here. And I think if they had the time and they had it, maybe even a feature. I don't know. I think forty eight is probably as long as you want this to go. By mm-hmm. then it might be getting a little long in the tooth. But another. Just times it by two, give it another half, like another 26 minutes, and you've got maybe the best version of a Christmas Carol because it could yeah. probably get everything in there that it really does need again to say everything. And it, still, and it still says it still gets to the heart of the story with the time it has, but it's, it is wanting of I want more in this world, I want more yeah. of this, and the fact that we didn't have any more makes me mad. It's a yeah. bit of a cop out, but I don't care. John, what gets your lump of coal? My lump of coal is going to go to the inclusion of the uh, Mr. Toad characters. I think that you could have. Here's the thing, right? Here's the thing. In a movie this good, the lump of coal has to go to something really, really nitpicky or 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 you do like a fake out uh, lump of coal. Right. So to me, it's like, what do you mean? Fake out (laughs) lump of coal? Oh man. So to me it's like I think that at the time that this was made the the Mr. Toad characters probably made more sense, but I think watching it with the sensibilities of today, those are kind of like forgotten Disney characters. And I think that you could have had Chip and Dale 
in those roles. You could have had maybe stretch it and do some Jungle Book. You could have brought in, um, I feel like there are people from like the more direct Mickey Mouse sort of collection of characters that you could have made work for these three roles. Like Fezziwig's a no-line role. You could do pretty much anything with it. Uh, And you have Chip and Dale, which I think could have easily been the charity collectors and... It could have been funny because they're small, so you could have had Scrooge like toss them out like snowballs or something. Like, I get or when he's piling the money on them at the end, like how are they ever going to carry it? Because there's so much. Like, there are things you could do, and I think that they used what they had available to them to sort of fill in the gaps, which I think now they might be able to do, make more creative choices with. But I, I, as far as lumps of coal go, it's a pretty pretty minuscule lump of coal, to be honest. I would say that I actually like the fact that they have to work with less here. It makes them be creative. It causes them to think about it a little bit more. And also, if they did this nowadays, John, it would not be as good because they would no. think, about, think about the Renaissance characters that would just be in here. And I love the Disney Renaissance, of course. As we all know, the best Disney Renaissance movie is Rescuers Down Under. But we, uh, like, do you really want... Who's the, who's the horse? There's a there's a Mickey Mouse horse character. Oh, he's there, kind of like there's the there's the cow and the horse. Yeah, who were like, like they're as tall as Goofy, and they're isn't like Claire Clarabelle, Clarabelle, and yeah, and nobody like remembers Chester the, or something like that. But to me, horse. like you make that horse fezzy wig, and you make the other two Chip and Dale, and then you're keeping it all in like the Mickey Mouse sphere, right? And I, and and Jiminy Cricket is an honorable mention because he sort of crosses over. He's like, he's like, it's like, he's like Kermit the Frog showing up on Sesame Street. Well, look, you want to go for it. Like you got uh, Ludwig von Drake, right? Like the, the professor. Oh there. yeah. Like that's Fezziwig. Oh my gosh. He would be a great Fezziwig. I didn't right. even think about that. With his Do you think coat? it's that people would get him confused with Scrooge? Because oh, I course. used to. Yeah. I mean, I, I mean, Scrooge, he was more popular than Scrooge McDuck at the time. Sure. Like he, he was on the Disneyland show, if I'm not mistaken. Well, he was, wasn't he the narrator for like Mickey and the Beanstalk after it was Edgar Bergen? Something like that. If not yeah. that one, definitely. He also was a big player on the wonderful world of colors first episode. Oh yeah. 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 And yeah. he has that wonderful song where he's like, he's doing a rock and roll song to describe color. Or have it be, is this, bef- this is after like three Caballeros, like have the Caballeros show up, right? Because they're Donald I'm, Duck characters. I am always down for three Caballeros. They are awesome. Yeah. That, 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 I mean, problematic, you know, stuff aside. Sure. Yeah. And I'm not even talking about like, you know, stereotypes here. I'm talking about like Donald is just straight up like creeping on some ladies in those movies. Like it is yeah. not even funny. Yeah. But that being said, yeah, I love the three Caballeros and I would, I, I and yeah, I think it would be great to, oh, they could be the charity workers. Yeah, this is what I'm saying. Like, I think you have options that aren't the Frog and Toad characters that are more Mickey Mouse adjacent. And it's not even like Mr. Toad came out right before this movie and was like super fresh for everybody. You know what I mean? It's like. But you forget the popularity of Mr. Toad's Wild Ride. And I'm not even Yeah, you mentioned there. that. Yeah, It is a huge ride at the theme parks. Still in Disneyland, if I'm not mistaken. And was up until a long time at the uh, at uh, the Magic Kingdom and Disney World. There is a big following for Mister Toad and his and everything associated with it. Do you think this is in your Christmas future, or is this thing in your Christmas past? It's in my Christmas future. I haven't watched it again since I was a child. It was on like yeah. the Disney Channel. Um, we didn't have this on VHS. 
But that being said, now that I have Disney Plus and I work in childcare and I have, you know, we show specials from time to time, you know, during the holidays, I wouldn't feel comfortable showing this to the kids at the school. And I would feel comfortable, you know, watching this with my, my younger, you know, nieces and nephews. I think this is a great version of a Christmas Carol and it's quick too, which yeah. with their attention spans nowadays, because they always got a screen that's flashing a thousand Mitchell versus the machine graphics at them. Like these kids. Yeah. yeah won't sit for long so this might be the version you want to show your little ones nowadays yeah john is what do you think is this in your christmas future or your christmas uh, past? oh yeah definitely this was a huge like a huge piece of my my childhood around like the holidays and and just in general like we had a vhs of it so we would watch it you know whenever and um it's probably largely responsible for me being at the point now where I'm doing an entire podcast about a Christmas Carol because it sort of introduced me to the story. And then I moved on to like the George C. Scott one from there. Right. So jumping right into the deep end in terms of accurate adaptations. Um, yeah, totally. Favorite? And is this your favorite? I think it is, it is probably one that I have a great deal of fondness for. I think it is too, it doesn't have enough of the full story for it to be my favorite at this point. But if I were picking one to watch with my kids, it would be this one. I think, and I think on that level, I would agree. I think that is, yeah. you're not looking to do a movie. You're not looking to watch. Yeah. A movie. It's still a kid's movie. It's, it's totally adult watchable, but it it's, it's a little bit scant on like the psychology and characterization that makes this story so good. This is a great version to put on during the season You've done a cookie day or something or some sort of craft. You're getting ready for the holidays. You're kind of settled in. You're not going to leave yet. The grandparents might be over, maybe not. And you're going to you're going to sit down and watch something. And then maybe you have coffee with it or maybe coffee and a puzzle afterwards. And then everyone goes home. It's a nice holiday afternoon type of deal. And I yeah. Like the Grinch, like that's the Grinch too. Like the Grinch and Charlie Brown, like these are the things you watch during the holidays. They don't take all your time, but just enough. Yeah, good Christmas Carol, Jim. Dude, we're two for two, man. I yeah. am. I we needed this. We need. We went through a slump of yeah. like just bad after bad, and I know Black Adder was in there. Black Adder is, is, is a is a fine thing, but like that hard was to like, talk about. But you're right, like not much to talk about. And then we just had like craziness on either side of it. Like I yeah. am I'm yeah. happy to be liking a Christmas carol again. Yeah. It's getting bleak well. there for a moment. <laughs> well, why don't we talk about what we're watching next week? Jim, what are we watching next week? Well, John, we're watching a Christmas carol. Yes, we are. Yes, we are. Um next week, in honor of Christmas in July. John, we are i don't like the i don't like the tone in your voice what's going on here what's going on here john james there comes a time in a man's life where he really has to stare down something that is um provocative that is intense that leads him to questions about what he's doing in the world and with his life oh god what is this we are starting the first of a three part Christmas Carol mini series. Excuse me? We are going to be watching 2019's FX mini series of a Christmas Carol starring Guy Pierce as Ebenezer Scrooge. (laughs) 
It features Andy Circus. Uh, we're going to be getting into some stuff, James. Oh my god! Oh, oh, okay. So, for context, I have seen this whole series. In fact, this series is what inspired me to do this podcast to begin with. James has not seen this. No, and you have spoken of it as a legend, and I don't know which way it goes. You have not, you have done very well, John, to not tell me really how you feel about this, except for that you have feelings about this. Here's what I'm going to say about it. I have very complicated feelings about it, and I'm going to encourage you to go into it with a very open mind, because it is not what you are going to expect. I have no idea what this is going to be. I am 100% going in blind on this. Um, I'm a bit nervous, because this is 2019, and they made this, so they're probably not going to be pulling punches, I'm feeling like. So I am... uh, I'm there. I'm going to repeat myself. I am nervous. I am. I am. I'm so excited to talk to you about this. I'm so I'm so excited to get into this. It is something else. Uh, If you want to watch it, it is uh, for free on Hulu. You don't need any like extra subscription or anything like that. As long as you are subscribed to Hulu, Um, please go watch it with us because it's it's going to be something else. Um, we do have some thank yous. Thank you to Ben DeVries for our opening, closing, and interstitial music. It's a pleasure as always to hear it. Thank you to Milo Newman for our excellent and amazing cover art. And thank you to you, listeners, who continue to tune in week after week and enjoy this. I know we had kind of a couple of weeks where there wasn't an episode. I was finishing up the school year, but we're back on track. Uh, Jimmy, what is something our listeners can do if they want to uh, support uh, the work we're doing here? Well, John, they can leave a five-star, a five-star, a five-star, a five-star, a five-star review. Please leave a five-star review on iTunes if you really like the podcast and would like to support us. It takes a little bit of time and helps us out in a big, big way. Thanks for that. That's going to be a real treat to EQ. Um, <laughs> uh, uh, you can follow us on uh, Twitter at Marley is dead pod. Uh, you can follow us on Instagram at that same handle. You can follow us on Facebook and um, until next time, as tiny Tim observed, God bless us. Everyone. And we're good. Sorry about that. Didn't mean to time it out that way, but just so happened to go that route. You know, pardon me for being rude. It was not me. It was my food. It just popped up to say hello, and now it's gone back down below. (laughs) Oh my gosh. We're not using that cold open. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my gosh. That's definitely going on like the end of the episode. Oh God, no. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.